wonder with whom you identify most in our story. Are you a part of the crowd? And how do you imagine that crowd? Are you in the crowd that ran out from the city and surrounding fields, bringing branches and coats to line the road? Are you proud to be part of the tradition of welcoming a ruler to your city? Are you jubilant, excited and hopeful to catch a glimpse of the Savior you've heard so much about? Or are you among the disciples who cannot quite believe the reception you're having? For the first time, you watch Jesus being treated like royalty, which he's never been okay with. But here you are, amazed that he's not telling everyone to hush and chill out like he normally does. Maybe this trip isn't going to be as scary as you thought it'd be. Are you traveling along the road, perhaps on a pilgrimage? Perhaps not. And after a long, tiring journey, you are almost to your destination. When out of nowhere, people start freaking out and carrying on about save us and son of David. You have no idea what they're talking about, but you wish they'd stop throwing trash on the road and just move along. Or perhaps you identify with the donkey, minding your own business until some strangers give you something to do. You plod along, head down, doing your thing, moving forward, taking one step after another, step after faithful step. You've got this. It's what you were born to do. And surely someone will feed you at the end. Or perhaps you identify, excuse me, Perhaps you identify with Jesus. You feel you have a mission, but no one believes you, not really. And you're pretty sure some bad things are coming, and soon. But every time you try to talk about it, your friends argue with you. Some help they've turned out to be. You love them anyway, of course. But hey, check out this crowd. Maybe they get it. But then again, maybe not. Jesus crosses the threshold into the city. The crowd disperses. They go home and prepare for the Passover. Now, did you turn to go home with them, or are you following Jesus to the temple to take a look around? Did anyone think to return the donkey? The story ends as Jesus returns to Bethany for the night. Tomorrow he'll take on the temple and the money changers, but it's late and he and the band of disciples retire. So where were you in this story? There are so many ways to enter the stories and space of what we call Holy Week. For we are part of a great parade, a tradition spanning centuries, when regular people follow along trying to make sense of Jesus and this path that he leads us down, the path toward solidarity, freedom, justice, healing, wholeness and love, with a capital L. A path that leads towards the very center of God's heart. And we are, by our own story, a people of crucifixion and resurrection. We are a people who tell the story of an agonizing death, and we trust in the mystery of this week. The resurrection can and does come from even the greatest tragedies. Death does not have the last word which is hard to imagine when facing the grim reality of Good Friday. And, well, it can be hard on almost any day. Now, our lives are not always so dramatic as this story. 
triumphal entries, crowds, political intrigue, and deadly consequences. And they don't have to be for us to appreciate the deep truths at their core. Part of our path is claiming our story and our place within them. We've been living with this theme of daily resurrection during Lent for six weeks now, and we keep discussing one truth in particular, that we cannot grow until something dies. How can we grow? How can we grow towards racism, ending racism, without first letting go of some of our privilege and assumptions? How can we move on after we've been wronged, without first forgiving and letting go, or dying to our desire to hold on to that pain? How can we become new? How can we grow without change, without letting go of something that stands in our way? It may be as simple, don't hear me say easy, but it may be as simple as the death of our assumptions, our ignorance, fear or shame. I wonder what we are ready to let go of in order to live a little bit more fully. Jesus did not run away from choosing to live fully. He chose love, and it led to loving the brokenness in our world, including the foolish frailty of our humanity. The mystery of this week is that somehow, as he embraces our broken world, the energy of that embrace gives birth to new life and hope. This is not something we can or should explain, but we can experience it. And we do, don't we? We experience the cycle of death and resurrection, death and rebirth. Sometimes it's a daily or an hourly phenomenon. And other times, it seems we'll never grow. I learned of a beautiful story that fits nicely into our conversation of Holy Week. It includes crucifixion and resurrection. It's not an exclusively palm and parade story. It is a true story that took place in Burundi, a country in Southeast Africa, bordered by Rwanda to the north, the Democratic Republic of Congo to the west, and Tanzania to the east and south. Burundi is one of the world's poorest nations and is still struggling to emerge from a 12-year ethnic-based civil war. And it was most violent there during the mid to late 1990s. Part of their struggle is a result of the Rwanda genocide spilling into their borders. This is a story of the Buta Seminary Martyrs. On the morning of April 30, 1997, when the civil war in Burundi was at its climax, a group of armed rebels carried out an attack on Buta Seminary. Buta Seminary is a Catholic school for young men akin to high school or a junior college where multiple subjects are taught in Christian community. When the rebels entered the seminary grounds, they ordered the students to separate by ethnicity so they could kill the group they considered to be their enemy. The students refused to separate, saying that they were all sons of God. And after three futile attempts to make them separate, the rebels opened fire on all the students, killing 40 and wounding others. I watched an interview with Father Zachary Bukuru, who was principal of Buddhist seminary at the time of the massacre. 
He recalled his reaction as he learned about the violence spreading in his country. Here are his words through a translator. The war damaged and destroyed hearts. I was a priest. I had to gather God's people. I am a human being, and whatever touches other men touches me as well. I was tasked by this great love of God for man, Jesus coming and dying for us, so that we might learn to love one another. I gathered the students, and I was teaching them that hatred should not have a place among them. And by listening to one another and getting to know what the other thinks, they were progressively healed inside. Later in the war, when we were attacked, they were already healed in their hearts. They had taken different initiatives to show that they understood the importance of unity. For instance, we sang and danced together. Every Saturday evening, we were spending the whole night in the church praying together. All those activities purified them from the lies they were taught. They began to love one another, and so we created a community that was dominated by love and mutual understanding and peace. When we were attacked, the students said they could not accept to be separated into ethnic groups anymore because they were already healed of those ethnic divisions. They had understood that they were brothers. When the soldiers tried to separate them, they took one another's hands and refused to get separated. God was working in their hearts, he said. The interviewer asks if he can still say that God is awesome. Father Bakuru smiles and says, I still believe that God is an awesome God because he's not the one who killed them. They were killed by our brothers who were misled by a bad spirit. But God changed their evil deeds into something positive. And now here the students have become a testimony of love that people can, <clears throat> excuse me, that people come and learn from. A door was opened in my heart that God is good. His love is so great that we cannot follow it, cannot measure it here. We can't even understand it. But I have seen through this door that God is nothing but love for us. And at this point, he looks directly into the camera and in English says, mystery. Then through interpretation, it's a mystery. These young men didn't give in to hatred or fear. They knew the words to say that would let them live. And instead, they joined hands and hearts and destinies. This story echoes the story we proclaim this week. What makes a person stare death in the face and cling to the love of others? Whatever spirit gave these young men such courage and conviction? Wasn't it the same spirit that stirs in the life of Jesus and in the lives of all children of God, even and especially among us this morning? I'm also struck by the importance of the work that was done before that terrible morning. The students and teachers of the seminary community were engaged in the struggle to love one another, to die to false assumptions that were tearing up their entire country. How many times did they pray for healing, for saving, before they were transformed? Daily resurrections, indeed.
Today we shout our praise and we raise our palms. Blessed be the one who comes in God's name. And we ask to be saved, to be healed, as we wave our palms to welcome God incarnate into our midst. We're listening. We are on the road, walking the road with one foot in front of the other over stones in the road we call life. I'm reminded of a quote from one of my favorite bloggers that says, there's no ladder to holiness to climb, no self-improvement plan to follow. It's just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day. Indeed, today, like all days, this week, like all those before and after, we take the journey with Christ towards death and resurrection. I invite you now to take a stone. There should be some in a cup uh, on the inside of each pew. Take a stone and pass them down so that each person has one in their hands. All right, we almost all got one? Great. I want you to take a moment to pray for whatever stones are under your feet today. Pray for whatever obstacles are in your life. Let's take a few minutes. Take a few moments. And may all God's people say, Amen. Now, I invite you to exchange your stone with someone or someone else. Multiple people is fine, one person is fine. Listen, you don't need to share what you are carrying. I ask that we help each other carry our burdens this week. But you don't have to say what the burden is. So if you would, take a moment now to exchange stones with someone else. Will you swap with me? And now let's take a minute to pray for whoever's stone this represents, whoever's burdens these are. Let's just take a moment and pray for that person. May all God's people say, Amen. There's no ladder to holiness to climb, no self-improvement plan to follow. It's just death and resurrection over and over again. Friends, may you hold each other up this week. May we hold on to each other as we journey together in Christ's name. Amen.